Entrepreneur on Fire, episode 161. Welcome to EntrepreneurOnFire.com, where remarkable entrepreneurs share their inspiring story. Let their journey illuminate your path to success. And now, your host, John Dumas. Fire Nation, do you have a product or service you would like to share with the over 150,000 unique downloads Entrepreneur on Fire receives every month consisting of passionate and engaged entrepreneurs? Chris Brogan sponsored an episode for his book, The Impact Equation, and saw great results. If you would like to share your message with Fire Nation, go to SponsorEOFire.com to find out more. That's SponsorEOFire.com. And now let's give it up for our sponsor, Lisa Parmley. Fire Nation, would you like to learn how to grow your online business with lightning speed? Discover how to use content to gain traffic through search engines, highly trafficked sites, and visitor referrals, all while making a positive impact. Go to businessbolts.com to find out now. That's businessboltscom Okay, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, Garrett Gunderson. Garrett, are you prepared to ignite? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Oh, love it. Garrett is a passionate entrepreneur and dedicated his life to empowering others by the same economic principles that have blessed his life. In this chat, we'll share those principles plus much, much more. I've given Fire Nation a little overview, Garrett, but why don't you take a minute, tell us about you personally, we want to get to know you, and then take a minute and tell us about your current business. Well, starting with the quote that I, that I live by is that wealth is not the man that has it, but the man who lives it, and that's by Benjamin Franklin. And so the very principles of wealth that I abide by isn't about saving, sacrificing, delaying, deferring to some unknown future where I can finally start living the good life, but it's about finding what I love about life today and structuring and organizing my life to be able to express that on a regular basis and actually take little mini vacations on a regular basis rather than ever retire because I have a purpose that goes beyond age 65 in my mind and so I think that that's kind of important to start with. Um, going back to how I kind of became an entrepreneur was my first job sort of the basic things like uh, babysitting and lawn mowing but my first official business was when I was 15 years old and it was very uniquely named Garrett Gunderson's Car Care. Yeah. I basically, I went out and my mom worked at a credit union and my dad worked at a coal mine and my dad would bring home surface vehicles when the bosses would come into town and as he would clean them, I would help him clean them. And he also gave me a 1975 Chevy pickup truck when I was 15. He said, when you turn 16, that's yours. So anything between now and then that you do to it for, for the benefit of it, you know, you'll, you'll get you'll be the one that is the recipient. So I started kind of refinishing that one summer um, in between school and without knowing a lot about what I was doing in some of his direction, I got it looking pretty nice. And he said, you know what, I'm going to talk to the, the coal mine, see if you can start detailing these vehicles. So I was able to start cleaning the coal mining vehicles, which were kind of like the standard of dirtiness. And if I can get those done, I could probably handle others. So I went to the credit union, talked to the president where my mom worked and said, hey, I know you're repossessing cars. Why don't I clean them for you? And then you'll sell them for more. And he saw that as a good investment. So 
that was kind of my launch, thanks to my parents. I used their garage. My dad had certain cleaning supplies. It was pretty low overhead. It was pretty low, you know, to, to get in. But here's what was kind of unique was six months in the business, I had only made like $600 net income, but I went to an entrepreneurial competition for students and free enterprise. And, you know, first place got, I don't know, like uh, 2,500 bucks and second place, maybe a thousand, third place, $500. Well, I took third place in that rural competition. And so in an hour of speaking, I made $500 in cleaning cars. I was making a lot less than that. Uh, so I think that's where I kind of launched into sharing concepts to a certain degree and got over my fear of speaking. But I ended up winning the Young Entrepreneur of the Year for the state of Utah. That came with $5,000. And that's what led me down a different track because I was looking to invest that money. Guess I was a bit of a nerd because I want to invest it versus just go out and blow it. <laughs> Where I came from, that was a lot of money. And so that led me down a track that I'm in now with personal finance. But I've really integrated personal development and personal finance because I realize the individual is the greatest asset. And we work with business owners and entrepreneurs to help them get financially organized where they can focus on their value creation, on their service, on the problems they're looking to solve, not just hand their money over and hope someone else is going to manage it, but truly build a legitimate real business and have total financial organization to support that. So I know that was long-winded right out the gate, so I'll, I'll be quiet for a second. Just for a second, though, because this is about you, Garrett. This is about your journey. And the reason we have this quote to start off the Entrepreneur on Fire show is because we really like to get that motivational ball rolling. And that's exactly what you did. And you incorporated it beautifully into your journey. So we're just going to use that to transition to the next topic, which is failure. Because as entrepreneurs, we fail so many times throughout our journey. We fail every single right. day. And it's up to us to not let that failure define us, but to make us stronger as individuals, as entrepreneurs, so we can pivot in bigger and better directions. So Garrett, take us back in your journey. Continue that journey that you started as an entrepreneur where you were cleaning cars and you were speaking and you were winning entrepreneurial awards in Utah. Just take us back to a time when you failed along that journey and then share with us how you overcame that failure. Well, in what I do now, I, I would say that if it weren't for the failures, I would probably just be a pretty standard financial planner that was out offering services you could get on pretty much any corner of any city with the myriad of firms that are out there. But I had heard from the gurus, you got to get in real estate. Well, here was a major failure for me. I got into way too much real estate because the biggest thing is the very first piece of real estate I ever got involved in, I made a huge return. The second one, even bigger return. So I got a false sense of confidence. Warren Buffett says you find out who's swimming naked when the tide rolls back. Well, in 2008, <laughs> man, the tide rolled back on a lot of people in real estate and we felt this false sense of confidence that, hey, if you invest in something, it goes up, that somehow you're a good investor. Sometimes you're just having really good timing or you're jumping on board when everybody else is. And see, I had always thought about investing as oil, stocks, bonds, gold, real estate, and I hadn't really identified investing as understanding where I can make the biggest difference, where I can contribute the, the biggest value. And if I could build a sustainable organization that didn't require me being involved with every piece of it, that I could actually build a lot more wealth. So that mistake of getting involved with 100 real estate properties was painful. I, I was, people told me it was a passive income. Sometimes my money passed me by, but it wasn't passive, man. There were <laughs> renters, you know, there were, 
There were um, property damage. There was deferred maintenance. There was working with lenders. There was working with partners. I mean, it was as complicated as I could have imagined. And it wasn't something I was excited about. It was just something I was greedy about. Oh, I should, I'm in the world of money. I should get involved in these things. I bought two IPOs. I got involved, involved in oil and gas. And I found out that if the oil isn't, isn't spewing, that they keep digging and they want more money. And, <laughs> and you know, so it's like investing had nothing to do with diversification. In the reality, the wealthiest people don't diversify. They focus. They invest all their eggs in one basket and they insure them well. But society has taught us that diversification is the safe thing. That's why some people don't make the leap to being an entrepreneur because I remember I remember being in school when I was at college and when I and where I got job offers I, in 1999 I had 11 job offers including an investment bank including uh, going to New York for Merrill Lynch or strong investments uh, out of Milwaukee that was ranked number 2 of all funds at the time and you know what I had to actually uh, say, okay, I can do this on my own. And I came from a family where they said, security's in the job, security's in working for other people. And I kind of had to break that chain because they see it as, hey, failure is something you want to avoid. But as a business owner, the, the question is, how quickly can you course correct and how quickly can you learn because most people don't make a mistake twice, they make it 15 or 16 times. So the thing is, how can you learn from those and adjust? And then one of those real estate projects I had in Tennessee that was going really bad, I actually said, what should I have asked beforehand? And that actually created one of the most powerful risk assessment tools that I've ever built. When I was flying out seven different times to work on that property in Tennessee and find out how important it was, to maybe have real estate close to home, um, I wrote a cash recovery analysis of seven key areas where business owners were losing and leaking money because I was on hours and hours of flights and I was able to think and focus during that time even though I was in the midst of really difficult situation. You know, it was like those failures allowed me to develop my philosophy. They allowed me to understand the importance of due diligence, the importance of investing with knowledge and staying in alignment with passion and purpose when it came to money. It helped me understand what real, real stewardship was and what it meant to, to be focused and to focus on cash flow and have an exit strategy and not just hand my money over and hope for the best. I mean, it really, if it wasn't for those failures, I wouldn't have a unique company and I wouldn't have built so much equity in that company in the last two years because I'd be doing what too many other people are already doing out there. So, Garrett, the tide goes out. There you are, naked on the beach with over 100 properties, with all of these other investments. That was just a failure, which you've just detailed out so well. That was a challenge and obstacle that you had to overcome. What did you do at that moment when you realized man, I am way over leveraged. I have way too much debt. I have way too much on my plate. What steps did you take from there to get yourself righted, to get that ship back on course? Well, I'll answer that question. I'll just add one more thing to it. In 2007, it was June of 2007, I was hosting an event. 200 people were attending the event. And I, was, I made a declaration in the group. I said, real estate's not my gig. I'm going to get out of it. Here I am. It's, it's before the collapse. But I still was greedy enough and ignorant enough that I, I priced everything at the top of the market. So I did, get, I did get rid of some of those hundred and I was making money on some of those on the sell of them. So I got addicted to making some of that versus knowing it wasn't the right thing for me and yet trying to salvage and make as much as I could. See, I think that sometimes we are so short-sighted, at least I was. 
where I was going, look at the dollars that are coming in, but I wasn't aware of the production that was being lost if I could focus on other things. So if I would have listened to myself fully when I made that declaration, declaration June of 2007, 2008 would have been a lot less difficult because here's the thing, John, I had also been writing this book in 2007 called Killing Sacred Cows. Because I was seeing a different future of finance and where people were overly reliant on the stock market and where ultimately there was a lot of myths and misinformation. I was outlining nine of those areas and one I was even going through, which was most people value net worth way too much. Cash flow is far superior to net worth. And ultimately, your, your networks and, and your ability to provide value will determine your net worth greater than anything, greater than handing your money over or just scrimping to get there. And so as I was, as I was putting the book out there, it was going to be a half a million dollar project. And at the same time, I'm having these real estate issues. And I'm like, one, I'm even questioning, like, should I be the one to put the book out there? And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm actually experiencing the very things that I'm talking about. I'm get, I have like real market research here. And two, if I delay putting the book out, I'm going to be a Monday morning quarterback because I saw the situation that was coming about. And you know what? There was a lot of constraint because I, I considered delaying the book for a minute and just knew that the timing would be totally off and it would have to be a totally different um, message to, to kind of grab the hook initially because I was saying that 401ks were a hoax. And they at that time, they were the most popular vehicle. The market hadn't gone down. So... I decide to launch it. At the same time, I'm eliminating some of these properties. At the same time, they need some money and some care. So I'm watching my net worth dwindle. But at the same time, I have this, this investment I believe in, which is my book and my message, and it's, and it's leading to new opportunities and relationships and ultimately bringing value to my company. And it's having me get even clearer about my message because I'm having to confront some of my own mistakes ultimately. And, and so 2008 and 2009... Were the, I, they were lean from a standpoint of, I mean, there was a 12-month period of time where I decided not to take any income from the business because we needed every dollar to keep this going. There were times where I was traveling to do book promotions and I was making money when I landed on the ground from books that I sold or from a little speech that I gave because I was exhausting every resource to get the book out there and eliminate the real estate at the same time. And my family's like, you know, they're used to living really great. We have now have two kids at the time. We're not putting them into any extracurricular activities because of those mistakes. I mean, I'm, I'm like having to become resourceful because my resources weren't as unlimited as they were before. They were actually very limited and with not taking an income home, my wife had to become really resourceful. We're using the last, you know, we're going down to the storage and using the last thing of soap, you know, because we're not spending any money for the most part. But I was more committed to the vision and the outcome and the lesson than I was how I looked in that difficult time. And I was actually honest with people that I considered mentors in my life. And I was honest from the stage about the very woes that I was going through. And I got more connected to people because authenticity there created a level of currency or authenticity created a level of connection. And it allowed me to share from a place of not just being a philosopher, but actually getting out of the trenches with the very things that I was learning and teaching and come with so much more conviction on, hey, real estate's good for some, but it's not for everyone. Hey, stock market, even less people are really good at it, but everyone's involved in it. Let's question whether that's really what you want to do. And if you're not if you're not starting your business, if you're not taking the business to where you want to go, is it mainly because you're worried about 
this nest egg that you're building or the stability that you've created. And what you're going to find is it's hard, easy or easy, hard. It would have been easy to say no about the book and be hard that I'm not more passionate and excited today. But I took the hard, easy route. It was hard to do the book. It was hard to, to leave college and not take a job, but instead pursue my own business. But life is easier because I'm in more control of my destiny. I'm able to engage my greatest abilities versus be constrained in, in part of bureaucracy and my income. I've had a situation where I met one person from the book that I made more than I would have made from any one of those 10 or 11 jobs that were offered out of college over a five-year period of time from one person. I mean, because I would have never met this person. I would have never learned about how to do this type of transaction. But I increased their, their uh, net worth and cash flow just tens of millions of dollars that I wouldn't have met the person that knew how to do that if it wasn't for the book. So, I mean, it takes a leap of faith because anything great in this world doesn't already fully exist if you're going to invent it or if you're going to bring the best you have forward. It's something that you have to look at maybe a little bit of evidence, but you actually have to say, I'm seeing it in my head before it exists. I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to take a step forward, even if I don't know exactly how it's going to turn out. And I don't think any business owner can predict how it's all exactly going to turn out because there's byproducts and procession which is a Buckminster Fuller concept. It's just there's all these things that come about because you're going one direction and bigger things come along or lessons lead you towards an even more important direction, but it's about taking the first step of that journey. It's about facing that fear. I mean, I was petrified the first time I spoke as a 15-year-old, but the $500 helped me overcome that, telling one joke in front of the crowd. Now I could go on stage here in two seconds Tell me I have eight hours, no preparation, and I'd be totally comfortable and fine. It's about you build that muscle by taking those steps. Wow, Garrett. I'm just pulling out so many great lessons that were learned from your failures, from your challenges, from your obstacles. I'm also pulling out all these great aha moments that you're talking about along your journey, just being your authentic self, really bringing it down to the ground level and having people resonate with that, with who you are. And once you really put your authentic self forward and be transparent, you're just going to be seeing so much more as a result of that. Because again, going back to that word resonate, people can just connect with that authentic self. So there are just so many great things out of that nice little journey that you were talking to us about. I know it hasn't brought us all the way up to the present, but we're going to have to move into what you have going on right now. So share with us, Garrett, a couple things that are just really exciting you right now in your current business, in your current environment, and share with us your vision for the future in that. Well, I'm, I'm filming something right now that is called the Curriculum for Wealth. Our program is a, a pretty high-end program for business owners. I mean, our, our average ticket's probably $25,000, $30,000 to work with us. We have people pay us as much as $55,000 or maybe as little as $7,000, but it, it's out of reach for some people. And I want to make a bigger impact. I want people to understand, hey, you're the greatest asset, not a stock bond, not a piece of real estate or, or your own house. It's you and your ability to produce. If you think living within your means means to reduce expenses, that's one way. But we believe living within your means means continually increasing your means and producing more value. And so we have an important message to get out there. But most people, money's a scapegoat or it's at least a constraint. They're not doing something. They use money as the excuse. I can't afford it, right? Or I don't have the time might be the second one. But we're looking to make money an asset versus a liability. Money, instead of it being an obstacle or a constraint, have it become that ally 
and have money not be a reason or excuse why people do or don't do things. That they understand if it's really a byproduct and if, you know, if you want more dollars, you got to create more value. If you want to have more ability to create value, you got to probably be a business owner in my world. But ultimately, this curriculum for wealth, we decided what are the most misunderstood, misappropriated, you know, even mystical type of things when it comes to personal finance. And a network that I've spent over 10 years building, I'm interviewing these people. My job is to keep it engaging and entertaining. Their job is to make it succinct, concise, and to the point. I've interviewed so far an attorney on estate planning. I interviewed um, a, to a panel of people on credit. I got to tell you, my whole office, we're in the middle of the office in a round table filming this. And the rest of my office like, dude, I took so many notes on what I could do to improve my credit. That's from the front desk people or people that we just hired. Nice. Um, the, the attorney, when we finished that interview, he said, I've never covered that much content in an hour and 30 minutes. He goes, I need every one of my clients to hear that. So I want to give every bit of information, not hold back any secrets of what it would really take to have a completely organized, comprehensive financial blueprint from car insurance, homeowners, liability, disability, medical, life, estate planning, business structure, um, credit score, cash flow, investments. And I don't want to hold anything back so that once a month people can dive in and then every 30 days we'll archive it so they can watch it over and over again so that they can see all the pieces that financial planning misses. And I got to tell you, we're averaging $2,484 per month of cash flow improvement through our cash flow process where we find 93% of business owners are overpaying their taxes. People in our program, it's an average of $11,700 a year just from black and white being proactive with the strategy. So I'm encapsulating this in my curriculum for wealth for 397 bucks. I'm excited about building that. I'm excited about building that and getting this message out to more business owners because we've worked more exclusively with, with dentists and chiropractors and really professionals who find themselves business owners. But we used to work with the general population. This allows me to open that up again so the people who are just becoming an entrepreneur or are already an entrepreneur can embrace this because entrepreneurs, as you know, they have heavier financial gravity is what I call it. Financial gravity is, hey, when you're a business owner, it's harder to get a loan sometimes. It's not being W-2, you're now 1099. Banks want more information. You have to buy insurances that an, that an individual that gets W-2 and just works for someone doesn't have to buy. You know, There are different investment structures that are open to you as a business owner, and sometimes you have to take a higher degree of responsibility and expense. So we're looking at where are these business owners leaking money because we're finding at least 10% or more of their income that's leaking. What does that mean to improving the business, to taking some time off? And I'm excited about getting this message out there of how to be a business owner that the business doesn't own you. Because I was able to last year go to, go to Rome, go to the BVI and, and make money while I was gone but come back and have no additional problems because I have a CEO. We've got an entire team. I'm not even doing the coaching anymore. We've got a sales team. I, I do a little bit of the sales, but they do most of it. My job is marketing and content creation, which is what I love to do. So I don't ever want to retire because I've built a structure to express that. And I want to share that message out there because my business has grown more in the last two years in equity value. And it brings me more cash flow than any outside investment in those hundred pieces of real estate. If it would have worked out, couldn't have even touched because it's in my area of expertise. It's in my area of purpose. I have a passion for it. I, I show up and I, I know what I'm doing and I'm learning at a much more rapid pace and I'm bringing the team to support. And, I, and I've discovered there's like 10 ways to increase equity value of a business and every one of the 10 mean less responsibility for me, yet more profitability. 
I'm excited about a lot of things, as you can tell. <laughs> Gary, you have a lot of passion. You have a lot of energy. It's all going in the right direction. You're continuing to build off your past mistakes, your past successes, the new light bulbs that are going off with you every single day. And you're just so inspired about passing it on to the masses and just really helping other people empower their lives. So thank you for that. I truly have to commend you. And we're going to be linking everything up that you're talking about in the show notes, your website, the curriculum for wealth. We're going to have all of that entrepreneuronfire.com slash Garrett Gunderson. So Garrett, we're going to be moving into the lightning round now. And this is where I'm going to ask you a series of questions and you come back at Fire Nation with amazing and mind-blowing answers. Does that sound like a plan? That sounds like a great plan. <laughs> You've been doing it all interview, buddy. All right, good. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? Uh, I would say family, wanting to please my family, from my grandfather to my parents, and their belief that security was in a job, not in being the creator of a job. So it was just all that they had ever known. So I would say it this way, scarcity, scarcity. How many generations, and this is just an offshoot of that question, how many generations away do you think that we are from parents stopping to have that belief and impressing that upon their children? I think that we've made exponential progress in the last decade. Uh, at least, may, I don't know if it's the circles I run in or just where I'm hearing, but it's like... Uh, People no longer believe that it's about going to school, getting good grades, and getting a job. Look, it used to be 30 to 50 years people stayed somewhere and got a pension. Pensions have evaporated. They've exploded. People, these golden handcuff benefits get cut every day, and people start feeling like a number. People want to feel more significant than that. And I feel like there's an entrepreneurial spirit that's awakened that will happen in one one hundredth of the time in the next decade than it did in the last decade. So we're, we're at a forefront of entrepreneurism coming alive again. But it's interesting because I think there will still be 70% of the population deaf to it and 30% awake to it where it used to be 3% awake to it and 97%. So there's still going to be a large majority of people that just want to be a worker bee, but there's going to be an exponential 10 times growth in entrepreneurism in the next decade. Well said. I could not agree more. What's the best business advice you've ever received, Garrett? Okay, this is the best. The, the best business advice I ever received was in order to be highly successful rather than just successful, you have to say no more often. So Warren Buffett said the difference between highly successful people and successful is successful people are addicted to yes. Highly successful people say no, 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 and only say yes to things perfectly aligned with their values. One of my business mentors, Rick Sapio, taught me that. And I've said no a hundred times more in the last two years, which said yes to my health, yes to my family, yes to peace of mind, yes to you know enjoying life a little bit more and actually living a life versus having my life sucked away by only a business. Splendid. What's something that's working for you right now? What's working for me was giving up full operational control to a CEO like total and letting him run the show and then creating very strict uh, parameters on how I'm going to be in business. I'll speak 10 times this year, no more than 10, unless my family's with me, I can open up 10 opportunities if my family's with me. So that had me reinvent, okay, I'm going to have to send other people out to speak on our behalf. So, so that's just creating those rules 
and just recognizing I have to be abundant to say no. It's not scarcity to say no, because when I say no to something, it allows me to stay totally focused. So focus over diversification is the mantra. Focus over diversification. Businesses that diversify die. Businesses that stay focused dominate. Do you have an internet resource like an Evernote that you're just in love with that you can share with our listeners? I like OmniFocus. I like OmniFocus because I have it on my, on my computer, my iPad, and my phone. And it's a, it's a getting things done manager like the David Allen program. But I use it just as a simple tool to capture different things in life from my health to date night ideas to um, you know, uh, projects and filming that I'm working on. It's just very, very simple. And I don't use it to maybe... 3% of its capacity, but it's been very effective for me. Great. If you could recommend a book for Fire Nation, what would it be? It's time to read Atlas Shrugged. I mean, anyone that hasn't read it, it's like, that's only like three times longer than any other book that I've ever read. <laughs> but, but you see the dedication to customer service. You see, you see ultimately a philosophy of what it takes to be an entrepreneur and the real value of entrepreneurism and, and why that's where the real security is. I mean, that is, the, that is like an entrepreneurial's Bible. USA Today said it was the second most influential book next to the Bible, actually. So, wow. I mean, it's, it's an important one to read. So, Garrett, this is the last question. It's my favorite, but it's kind of tricky. So, take your time, digest it, and then come back at us with an answer. Okay. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to Earth in every way, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have. Your food and shelter is taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days? Well, I guess if I have a laptop, the very first thing I would do is I'd find out who in the area that I was in were the people that were making the, the most significant impact and see what was going on for other entrepreneurs to get together and I would make sure to show up to that event within the next seven days because the best, the best accelerator is finding those people that think abundantly. And you know that if you connect, like I can think of people in my life that I connected with them. I don't know if you know the name Joe Polish, but when I connect with Joe Polish, it forever changed my life because he introduced me to 100 people. And so I would find those areas where those kind of people hang out. I would show up and I would just use my experience and knowledge of, how could I deliver value for them through my experience and knowledge and how can I learn from them and just build a personal connection because that's going to lead to having the right relationships. And what's cool about waking up not, not knowing anyone is you get a, a clean slate yeah. of any of the, the damaging relationships and you get the experience of what those damaging relationships meant because I think that life isn't just about the great relationships you have, but it's about eliminating the ones that aren't great that allow you to focus on the ones that are. Because I think the ones that are bad can tear you down a lot further than the ones that are good can get you to. Well, well said, Garrett. That was incredibly actionable advice. And you've given us actionable advice this entire interview, and we are all better for it. Give Fire Nation one parting piece of guidance, then tell us how we can connect with you and your company, and then we'll say goodbye. All right, so here's, here's the parting piece is this. Every single person has a sole purpose. That's your values, it's your abilities, and your passions combined for the highest context or intent in your life. When you create a context that's an intention that says, this is what's worthy of my life. This is the conversation of my life. This is why I get up. This is what I'm going to do. And you have that live in your heart versus a wall. 
like some mission statement that sounds like every other blah, blah, blah thing, but it's something that brings you forward in a powerful way and engages the best you have to offer, that will be a rich and rewarding life that will have failure checkered in it, but you'll have the power to overcome that. If it's only about the money, you, those failures will be just devastating and eliminate you. It has to be about money, but if you have something that's greater than that that says, here's why I do what I do. And I think John F. Kennedy did that in 1961 when he said on TV, we're going to send a man to the moon and return them safely home within this decade. NASA changed overnight. They didn't have the resources. They didn't have the knowledge, but they got resourceful. They found the money. They found the technology. They didn't have time for BS, and they all showed up with a common vision and purpose. What is that in your life? When you embrace that, You'll overcome the fear of money. You'll overcome the fear of what other people think about you. You'll overcome whatever failure comes your way because it will be seen as some ingredient and some lesson that had to be learned to protect you in the future when you get closer to that vision. And as long as you're more committed to the vision than your excuses, your results over your reasons, then that is what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur. And the next thing is that you celebrate along the way. You look back at where you came from. You embrace where you are today because you'll always have something else to achieve. Business is never perfect. It's perfectly imperfect that there's always something to do. So you have a reason to get up in the morning. So go ahead and embrace that. Now, one of the things that I've been really good at doing is I created a financial health assessment. A lot of people, money's confusing. A lot of people, money is leaking. So if you go to freedomfasttrack.com, Track down the financial health assessment. Take it for free. It's yes, no, or uncertain. You'll find out where you have holes in your finances. You'll find out some of those areas where you can probably recover cash and put it back into your pocket. And that'll teach you, when you have that awareness, what your next steps are to get more financial confidence and clarity so that you can be powerful and move forward and get done what you need to get done in this world. Gary, can we talk every day? <laughs> Thanks, John. Yeah, I mean, it's... This is fun. I really appreciate you having me on. No, it's been great. And listen, Fire Nation, just a ton of engaged, passionate entrepreneurs. It's this snowball effect that's just going down because of people like yourself coming, sharing their journey, sharing this amazing message. We're currently getting over 8,000 unique downloads every single day, every single day in over 140 countries. And that number is just growing and growing and growing. So, Garrett, thank you for being so generous with your time, your expertise, your experience. Fire Nation salutes you, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Fire Nation, my first book, Podcast Launch, is now live at Amazon. In this book, I share all and have created a step-by-step process for launching your podcast. The Fire Bonus is 15 video tutorials that I included with the purchase. You join me as I walk us step-by-step through each process visually, and by the end, you will be a podcasting pro. Pick up your copy at podcastlaunch.com. Thank you for joining us at entrepreneuronfire.com, your daily dose of inspiration. Prepare to ignite.